Self-Employed by David Ignato. I stand and listen, head bowed, to my inner complaints. Persons passing by think I'm searching for a lost coin. You're fired, I yell inside after an especially bad episode. I'm letting you go without notice or terminal pay. You just lost another chance to make good. But then I watch myself standing at the exit, depressed and about to leave, and wave myself back in wearily. For who else could I get in my place to do the job in dark, airless conditions? Self-employed. My reading is a poem called The Sign in My Father's Hands by Martin Espada. He dedicates it to his father, Frank Espada. The beer company did not hire blacks or Puerto Ricans, so my father joined the picket line at Schaefer Beer Pavilion, New York World's Fair, amid the crowds glaring with canine hostility. But the cops brandished nightsticks and handcuffs to protect the beer, and my father disappeared. In 1964, I had never tasted beer, and no one told me about the picket signs torn in two by the cops of brewery. I knew what dead was. Dead was a cat overrun with parasites and dumped in the hallway incinerator. I knew my father was dead. I went mute and filmy-eyed, the slow boy who'd not hear the question in school. I sat studying his framed photograph like a mirror, my darker face. Days later, he appeared in the doorway, grinning with his gilded tooth. Not dead, though I would come to learn that sometimes Puerto Ricans die in jail with bruises no one can explain, swelling their eyes shut. I would learn, too, that boycott is not a boy's haircut, that I could sketch a picket line on the back, blank side of a leaflet. That day, my father returned from the netherworld easily as riding the elevator to apartment 14F and the brewery cops could only watch in drunken disappointment. I searched my father's hands for a sign of the miracle. Poem by Poem by Juan Felipe Herrera. In memory of Cynthia Hurd, Susie Jackson, Ethel Lance, Reverend DePayne Middleton Doctor, Honorable Reverend Clementa Pinckney, Taiwanza Sanders, Reverend Daniel Simmons Sr., Reverend Sharonda Singleton, Myra Thompson, shot and killed while at church, Charleston, South Carolina, June 18th, 2015. Rest in peace. Poem by poem, we can end the violence every day after every other day. Nine killed in Charleston, South Carolina. They are not nine, they are each one, alive. We do not know you have a poem to offer. It is made of action. You must search for it, run outside, and give your life to it. When you find it, Walk it back, blow upon it, 
carry it taller than the city where you live. When the blood comes down, do not ask if it is your blood. It is made of nine drops. Honor them, wash them, stop them from falling. Bent to the Earth by Blas Manuel de Luna. <clears throat> they had hit Reuben with the high beams, had blinded him so that the van he was driving, full of Mexicans going to pick tomatoes, would have to stop. Reuben spun the van into an irrigation ditch, spun the five-year-old me awake to immigration officers, their batons already out, already looking for the soft spots on the body, to my mother being handcuffed and dragged to a van, to my father trying to show them our green cards. They let us go, but Alvaro was going back. So was his brother, Fernando. So was their sister, Sonia. Their mother did not escape, and so was going back. Their father was somewhere in the field and was free. There were no great truths revealed to me then, no wisdom given to me by anyone. I was a child who had seen what a piece of polished wood could do to a face, who had seen his father about to lose the one he loved, who had lost some friends who would never return who later that morning bent to the earth and went to work. What is Work by Philip Levine. We stand in the rain in a long line waiting at Ford Highland Park for work. You know what work is. If you're old enough to read this, you know what work is, although you may not do it. Forget you. This is about waiting, shifting from one foot to another, feeling the light rain falling like mist into your hair, blurring your vision until you think you see your own brother ahead of you, maybe 10 places. You rub your glasses with your fingers, and of course, it's someone else's brother. Narrower across the shoulder than, shoulders than yours, but with the same sad slouch, the grim the grin that does not hide the stubbornness, the sad refusal to give in to rain, to the hours of wasted waiting, to the knowledge that somewhere ahead, a man is waiting who will say, no, we're not hiring today, for any reason he wants. You love your brother now. Suddenly, you can hardly stand the love flooding you for your brother, who's not beside you, or behind, or ahead, because he's home trying to sleep off a miserable night shift at Cadillac, so he can get up before noon to study his German, works eight hours a night so he can sing Wagner, the opera you hate most, the, the worst music ever invented. How long has it been since you've told him you love him, held his wide shoulders, opened your eyes wide and said those words, and maybe kissed his cheek? You've never done something so simple so obvious, 
not because you're too young or too dumb, not because you're jealous or even mean, or incapable of crying in the presence of another man. No, just because you don't know what work is. This is from The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. This is Preacher Casey talking to Tom Jode on his time spent in jail and the value of organizing. Casey grinned. Well, sir, he went on, I've been getting things. Uh, some of them fellows in the tank was drunks, but mostly they was there because they stole stuff. And mostly it was stuff they needed and couldn't get no other way. You see? He asked. No, said Tom. Well, they was nice fellows, you see. What made them bad was they needed stuff. And I began to see then, it's need that makes all the trouble. I ain't got it all worked out. Well, one day, they gave us some beans that was sour. One fellow started yelling. Nothing happened. He yelled his head off. The trustee came along and looked in and then just went on. Then another fellow yelled, well, sir, we all got it yelling, and we all got on the same tone, and I tell you, it just seemed like that tank buzzed and give and swelled up. By God, then something happened. They come a-running, and they give us some other stuff to eat. Give it to us. You see? The Life of a Digger by Margarita Engle. Henry from the island of Jamaica. Jamaica digging crews have to sleep 80 men to a room in huge warehouses like the ones where big wooden crates of dynamite are stored. My hands feel like scorpion claws clamped onto a hard, hard shovel all day, then curled into fists all night. At dawn, the steaming labor trains deliver us by the thousands down into that snake pit where we dig until my muscles feel as weak as water and my backbone is like shattered glass. But only half the day is over. At lunchtime, we see sunburned American engineers and foremen eating at tables in shady tents with the flaps left open so that we have to watch how they sit on nice chairs looking restful. We also watch the medium dark Spanish men relaxing as they sit on their train tracks, grinning as if they knew secrets. We have no place to sit, not even a stool. So we stand, plates in hand, uncomfortable and undignified. Back home, I used to dream of saving enough Panama money to buy a bit of good farmland for Mama and my little brothers and sisters so that we would all have plenty to eat. Now, all I want is a chair.
in some food with some spice and fair treatment, justice.